Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 23 Two Right Feet. Welcome, everybody, to the Big Chill Podcast. Uh, I think we should probably start off right with Eddie because he did not have a good Sunday and is now off the Patrick Mahomes bandwagon. So let's let him get it out right off the bat so we don't have to listen to his bitching and complaining anymore. Eddie, how's it going? (laughs) I'm not going to say I'm off the Mahomes bandwagon, right? It's not a permanent thing. But definitely his MVP bid is over for me. I do not want to hear again this year that he is an MVP candidate. Like, I love one game. That's it. It's not one game, though. To me, it's we've talked about it throughout the season. They've always done like just enough to win, basically, so far this season, with maybe the Ravens game being the exception, which is kind of the surprising thing. But I almost feel like that's more of an indictment of their team because it kind of just shows that they're in cruise control. So then to lose yesterday to a very mediocre Raiders team, uh, and really he was the reason they lost. He did not play that well. Come on. He is not the reason they lost. They gave up 40 points, Eddie. You can't put that on a quarterback when the defense puts up 40. I mean, it's the Chiefs defense. It's the Chiefs defense. They're not some But the Chiefs defense has been pretty good. What do you mean? They locked down Lamar Jackson. Well, maybe that's not saying a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to say, like, you exp- he should put it. Okay, let's, I'll retract that. He wasn't the reason they lost. That being said, he was He could have been the reason they won. He was outperformed by Derek Carr significantly. Let's put what it that way. Statement. <laughs> yeah, he was outperformed by Derek Carr. Uh, significantly, is, that's like comparing um, Sam Darnold to David Carr. That would be significant, but he was outperformed. David Carr, I mean, Carr played well. And then throw in also some of the other quarterback performances. I mean, notably, I guess, Wilson, right? So Wilson now is in prime position for the MVP race. Yeah. Because he's got the, he's the opposite, right? They are never in cruise control. Their defense continues to be awful and he gets to dig them out of a hole time and time again. So he's getting the perfect MVP sort of season. And Mahomes, on the other hand, just looks like he's enjoying that $500 million check for now, and he might start focusing when the playoffs roll around. (laughs) That's a harsh criticism. (laughs) I love it. Oh, man. But in case you were wondering who Eddie had in that game, you should have your answer from listening to that. And Sam, how are you doing? On vacation? Yeah, down in the uh, deepest, darkest parts of the UK, down in Cornwall. Uh, I'm in a village at the moment that has absolutely no signposts of how to get to it. It's it's not on the map. It's kind of creepy, actually. But um, yeah, I've got a bit of internet. So uh, I'm kind oh, of you're in ahead the corner of, me, of my... So even this remote village in England is ahead of my, is technologically more advanced than my apartment in Paris. The the way it works in Cornwall is they just strap Wi-Fi to like the nearest cow. And it just so happens that there's seemingly some sort of animal near my house at the moment. So uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well compared to a major metropolis like Paris. Yeah. Yeah. One day, one day. (laughs) I have to say the biggest shock for me yesterday 
with the football wasn't in the NFL, but it was me finishing season three of Friday Night Lights as I make my way go, going through season by season. I've never finished season three. I kind of stopped around season two, season three, because it started to get pretty ridiculous. But spoiler alert, the Panthers do not win the state championship and coach loses his job. That's a rough, rough few months. How, how many, like how long did it take you to get over it? <laughs> About 10 minutes, but who do you think had a rougher Sunday, you or Dak Prescott? <laughs> <laughs> Probably me. Cause at least Dak Prescott is still counting his money. That's true. And at this rate now, what they said is he's probably going to get franchise tagged again next year, which is somewhere in the range of $27 million or something like that. So I think he'll be okay. <laughs> I think he'll be fine. It was just cramps, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can work I, it off. <laughs> the Tony the, Romo. We give, we give Romo a lot of credit for his calls. Oh. <laughs> what he's like, oh, hopefully it's just cramp. It's like, I don't think it's cramp. His, his foot's <laughs> facing the wrong direction. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's what was so funny about it is you you first saw the injury and you saw him down and he you know he goes oh man um Dak's down this could be bad you gotta hope it's maybe just like cramps or something and then they go to the front view of him on the ground like kind of holding his leg and everyone who sees it can see his foot's like the wrong way and he instantly is like oh no that's not cramps that's that's not good. That does not look oh. good. <laughs> I mean, it's a good, good thing Romo's that... trained as a doctor <laughs> to see well, Good news that ankle probably won't be cramping for a while, right? So put a, put a positive yeah. spin on it. Oh, well, man, it was, it was gruesome. It was, it was gruesome. But then again, you know, Alex Smith came back <laughs> from something far more gruesome. So, yeah, yeah, literally. That's the concern, I, right? That's but, full but, circle, uh, isn't it? The, the thing we have to acknowledge, right, is that this is maybe the worst instance of the Duke curse so far on the podcast because yeah. Frank's bet of the week was Dak Prescott <laughs> over 300 yards. Yeah. And instead, his ankle made it into three different pieces. His ankle went 300 yards. I had the right player for the player prop, but I had the wrong prop. If I'd only I'm taken exactly. out for the year. Frank, you, you do now have to start thinking about the Duke curse a bit more carefully <laughs> because you're starting to like ruin people's lives. Whereas before yeah. it was just like, oh, I'll lose a bit of money here. Oh, that's annoying. This team's now out of form, but now you're actually ruining Oh no, lives. Sam, don't downplay it. A few horses have lost their lives over the course of the Duke curse. <laughs> okay. okay, now he's hurting humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is not a good part of the Duke of Curse there. That was that was unfortunate. I mean it did happen against the Giants, so I guess that even adds a little more to it against the team I support. So but so hey are the, are the Cowboys at the end of the day, done? I guess I was gonna say, well I was gonna say at the end of the day it didn't matter because the Cowboys still came back and won. So I don't think they're done. I, I mean how can you be done in that division? Yeah, I mean I think they I think they'll still win the division. Yeah. Yeah. Now the question is, do they go with Andy Dalton or do you try and bring someone else in? Do you bring Cap in? No. The, well, there's a lot of talk about some of the potentials he could um, bring in. And I saw a list. I don't have it up with me anymore, but the list included names like uh, Dwayne Haskins as a potential trade. Um, even Sam Darnold as a potential trade, which would be pretty interesting. 
you go from one redhead to another. You kind of go to or his does little brother. Mitch, does Mitch get <laughs> control of America's team? Mitch would be an interesting one as well. He actually was not on that list, but that's an interesting one. Uh, you had like Blake Bortles was on the on the list. Um, I I I mean, here's the thing: Dalton isn't a bad QB when it comes to regular season, right? So I think in a best case scenario, he wins them a few games, they make it to the postseason, and then we all as a country get to see Andy Dalton implode in the playoffs once again because it's there may be no better thing to watch in the playoffs than an Andy Dalton terrible performance. Well, some of his worst, his worst playoff loss wasn't his fault, right? Or did he even miss that game through injury, the time when they blew the lead to the Steelers? Did he miss that game? I feel like that Alabama quarterback was playing in parts of that. I don't know if, I don't know if Dalton went out. That might have been... I don't know either. When All I know is every decided, time I've ever watched him, it's like game over when he's in the playoffs. I mean, in fairness, too, it's not like he was ever playing on a stacked team that made it to the playoffs and he, like, oh, Super Bowl bound Bengals until Andy Dalton got involved. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think they're done. You know, one team I that mean, is done? What do you got? Steelers. San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> We can officially put the 2020 season in the grave. So does that mean we're not allowed to talk about it or, or read about it on Niners Nation? I think Niners Nation might have to take a like eight-month hiatus. This is Niners Nation. <laughs> this will now be Niners Nation. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, it was... Um, I mean, you know, Eddie, you mocked me last week saying that there wasn't a QB controversy in San Fran. And then what happens? Garoppolo gets benched and they bring in Bethard. Well, the issue there is obviously Jimmy G was not healthy. They rushed him back. So basically the knock-on effect of that one awful Mullins throw was that they had to rush Jimmy G back into the fold when he probably needed a week or two more. And then now they've just decided, okay, Never mind. Season's probably over. Bench Jimmy G. He's going to rehab for a few more weeks. I mean, the question now is, are they bringing Jimmy G back? Like, that's going to be the interesting one. I mean, I think they'll bring him back. But, I mean, here's the more serious issue they have is maybe you give him another week or two. But over the next seven weeks, they play the Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints, the Rams, and the bills. Oh no! So either either now over. as a team, do you decide I, I we mean, give it a run and put Jimmy G back in, or nah, we're not going to win these games. Let's just call it now. You have to put him back in because, to a certain extent, you're kind of still trying to figure out what you have. And they're now looking at the prospect of having like a top five to ten pick in next year's draft. <laughs> so they may even be in a situation to actually draft a QB. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a very quick 180 from three weeks ago when you and many other people expected them to be in the NFC Championship. Doesn't that seem well, a, lot of, a little a premature? A lot of things have happened since then. They lost six or seven players basically for the year. That kind of changes. Every year, I got to hear Eddie tell me 
how the Niners have this guy hurt and that guy hurt. Every team no, loses players. No, 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 no. Every no, no, year, Eddie says hurt. this. Eddie says it every year. Oh, Who's the, the guy? Niners okay, are decimated look. by injuries every no, year. They, they are. They're the only team. It doesn't matter if you keep saying it. They have been decimated by injuries. They're not the only team. Well, everyone. Look at the Cowboys. They just lost their QB. Yeah, they are decimated by injuries. (laughs) Every team is decimated by injuries. Really? The Chiefs? Mm -hmm. What? Who who, who are the Chiefs missing? The Chiefs. And just to just so you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not editing out any of your silence for this answer, so <laughs> Chiefs are okay for now. Oh, wow, is that the Duke of Curse? <laughs> Mahomes, car crash. <laughs> out for the season. <laughs> Breaking news. And I knock on wood, right? I don't wish I don't wish harm on, on Mahomes. Oh, I don't want to predict Mahomes having a car crash and then it actually happens. And then the Duke of Curse gets like blown out of the water by the Hewitt curse. <laughs> Can you predict what highway it'll be on, Eddie? <laughs> if I could name a highway in, in Kansas City, I could try. 41, I-41. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're done necessarily yet. Give they're it three, be- three weeks and then we'll know. They're done because of how strong their division is, and that's going to be the issue for them. You know, the Rams and the Seahawks are going to win 11 games, 12 games. So that's why they're done. You have an extra playoff spot. And, and in a way, right, I would almost shift to the tank mode. I think the tank mode might be the move. But we've probably dedicated already enough time to the San Francisco 49ers because they are officially off the board in terms of Super Bowl slash even playoff contenders. So we don't need to to spend any more time on them. We can move on to a team who uh, Frank has previously dismissed as not being a playoff team, who most certainly look like one, and that is the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, good win over the Colts. They look good. They look really good. I wouldn't say really good. They look good. The issue I still have with them is I still don't know if I can trust Baker Mayfield. He makes some nice plays, but he's still making some pretty bonehead. Like, both those interceptions were terrible. You know the thing is? Baker Mayfield doesn't want you to trust him, Frank. He feels (laughs) he and the Browns feel way more confident about their season as long as you stay well away from the bandwagon. (laughs) That's fine. But I think think they can make the playoffs. Will they wow. go far in the playoffs? What a, ringing, no. what a ringing endorsement of a forward <laughs> one team. I think they can make the playoffs. <laughs> they I'm not even sold they make the playoffs. I mean, already at four and one statistically, right? You, you can pull out those stats that I hate, but you love. Of like, how, what, what's the, what are the percentage chances of a four and one team making the playoffs? It's probably remarkably high. And that's without even factoring in the additional playoff spots this year. Yeah, and they do have a a decently easy schedule. So how many more wins do you think they need? Five? I think you I think you gotta get to ten, basically to get probably to 10. Be, Yeah. Okay. So they play the Steelers, the let's Bengals. That's that's Bengals one. Win. Bengals one. Raiders. I'll say win. Yeah. Okay. well I'll say Raiders and then they play the Texans next. So let's say they win one out of those two. Okay. So we got them. Two so they're wins. up to two. Yeah. Eagles. I would say win. Jaguars. Win. Titans. 
let's call it a loss, but if it still could win the game, but okay. just to be hard on them. Ravens. Loss. Giants. Win. Jets. Win. Steelers. Let's say they split the Steelers. Yeah. So that's how many? Six or seven? That was six or seven, yeah. And that was still being kind of pessimistic, right? That, yeah. That was kind of them losing a lot of toss-up games. So, so saying say that, them. you should at least expect them to get the 10 wins this year at the yeah. pace they've started. And you should expect them to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think 10 wins will put you in the playoffs, especially with the extra seed. But I, I don't know. I just can't trust them yet. Maybe it's their attitude or maybe I just don't trust Mayfield. And don't get me wrong. I love Baker Mayfield. I like watching him play. You know, I think he's fun to watch. I think, I don't know if you've seen all the commercials he's on at least like lately, all those progressive ones. I think they're actually kind of funny. Some of the stuff he does in them. See, this is the interesting thing. I think you might be the only person in the world who likes his commercials. I like that. I like the <laughs> one where I like the one where it starts to rain. Know, hold on, and he's like, "Help me!" Talking. It will go twice as fast with two people. With two I know people, it'll go twice as fast. I, I love that. Know. And he's like running up, and he puts like the one cover on one seat. Like with two people, it'll be twice as fast. <laughs> I think you're the I, only person who gets excited to see another, yet another Baker Mayfield commercial. There's been a lot yet, lately come out too. I've yeah, seen he's, three new ones in the past two weeks. He needs to maybe cool that down. That's like the move of a Super Bowl winner, <laughs> not a guy who's yet to play in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you need to make your money where you can. Well, being starting quarterback isn't doing that. Well, <laughs> ask, ask, ask Dak Prescott. <laughs> he like some commercial money right about now. Well. Although that being said, he might be, I heard he might be in a new upcoming Nike commercial because Nike are releasing this new pair of shoes where it's just two right shoes in every pair. (laughs) I heard, I heard he's now, he's now the front runner to land that job. Oh God. Oh, so gruesome. I loved it. Oh, that was great. Did you notice the part where he tried to push it back in for a second? No. His no, initial reaction was to try that. and force, was to like try and put his foot back in place, like as if he oh. dislocated, not as if he'd actually broken the bone and pierced through the skin. <laughs> oh. Not that that's funny, but. Well, it was, you could tell too, he was just in shock because he was literally just like holding his calf and not yeah. really registering anything at a point. Yeah. It was, yeah. Com- a compound fracture and a dislocation simultaneously will probably send you into shock. Oh, I know. I'm, sh- I'm sure it will. Like, it's... Oh. But getting back to, to the he, Browns. He was probably more shocked because he was like, wow, I'm going to be the first quarterback this year who's going to have a Giants defensive highlight. <laughs> it was the mental yeah. shock of that that caused yeah. the ankle to give way. Exactly. Yeah, I'm... I would be ready to pick them as a first round loss if the Browns, Browns make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, this is the difficult thing though, because you're down on the Browns and you're down on the Steelers. And at some point you're going to have to be on board oh. with one of them. No, I don't. I don't have to be on board either. The Steelers are another team. They should have lost this weekend. The Eagles, they just continue to blow my mind with their play calling. I don't understand Peterson ever. For someone who says he goes by the analytics, but then randomly just doesn't 
like at key points in games, he just decides to go off on his own and make the wrong call. It it never ends. Did you watch? Did you watch that game at all? Yeah, it's all. It wasn't my my. It wasn't the fo. It didn't have the focus of my attention. But I was like with that fifty-five yard field goal. I I don't under. I still don't get why he went for that fifty-five yard field goal. It made no sense to me. I mean, yeah. Speaking of analytics going wrong, to me, the real analytics boo boo of the weekend was the <laughs> was the Vikings. Last Did night you just the, say boo boo? Yes. Yeah. For our younger <laughs> listeners, keeping keeping this one clean. <laughs> I'm sorry, it wasn't 55 real quick. It was a 57-yarder that he missed. Oh, makes zero sense then. But no, they, um, the Vikings who, um, hey, Kirk Cousins covered again. Uh, You know, I'd encouraged everyone to uh, attach themselves to a Matty Ice IV. As it turns out, that thing was just pumping poison. But fortunately, (laughs) my body was revived by the Kirk Cousins IV that just kept me ticking along for one more week. Now, I know the analytics said that they should go for it on the fourth and one. So I don't know, Sam, if you saw the full context of this, but basically fourth and one with just over two minutes left. Was it just over or just under? And uh, basically they could have kicked a field goal, like a chip shot field goal to go up by eight. Mm. And instead decided to go for it, knowing that if they got it, it was game over. And they came up short and then the Seahawks drove down and on the final play of the game, Basically, got the game-winning touchdown. So there was the literally anal- two minutes. It was at the two-minute warning when when they they went. For okay, it. and the analytics said go for it because I think the analytics they showed the graphic on the screen. It was something like a seventeen percent swing. Like no, so the analytics were weird. So the analytics said at that time they had like a ninety-four percent chance of winning, and if they kicked the field goal, it kept their percent chance of winning the yeah, same zero percent if they impact. if they got the the conversion it brought it up like plus five to like 98 or 99 but if they missed it it dropped them like minus 13 or 14 right i think it was 17 yeah i think okay so if you're reading into the analytics of that even even like from an analytics point of view you're going for the outcome you're you're risking to to potentially have the outcome that has the worst effect. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, if you get it, you get plus four percentage more. But if you don't, you're at minus 17 percentage versus if you kick the field goal, you're right at where you're at, right at where you are currently at. So it's, would you rather want to stay at 94 or potentially risk dropping down to 80, 75, 80% chance of winning? Me, the way I felt about it watching it, and I actually wanted the Seahawks to win. So the first thing I will say I is too. watching it <laughs> and wanting the Seahawks to win, I wanted them to go for it on fourth down. Because in my mind, I was like, the only way the Seahawks are winning this game is to stuff them. Like, because A, if they kick the field goal, now you not only have to march down the field, score a touchdown with not a lot of time left, and I think they had one timeout, you have to do that. Then you have to get a two-point conversion, and then you're going to overtime. So, like, it was one of those where you're just saying you're gonna if you kick the field goal, you are the the Seahawks are gonna have to make a minimum of three very good plays to win this game. Whereas, basically, you were saying if we go for it, the Seahawks have to make two very good plays to win this game. And to me, that's how I kind of thought about it. Yeah, the first point is. The running back should have had that 
first down. When you watch the play, he cuts to the left. If he had cut to the right, there was so much space. He easily had it if he, if he read his lane right, which is unfortunate, and that we wouldn't be having this conversation if he had just run to the right lane. Yeah. The second point is, I agree with you. I'm, I'm heavy into analytics. I, I, I think being a scientist, I'm just, that's ingrained in my head. Just whatever the statistics say, you know, I, I would do that. But thinking about this one, I completely agree with you. If they'd kicked the field goal to go up seven, then I don't like that. No, I know. If it were to go up seven, I don't like kicking the field goal because then, as you say, if they score a touchdown, yes, you're still tied and you can go to overtime, but all they need to do is score a touchdown. If you kick the field goal to go to eight, not only do they have to score a touchdown, which is going to take good plays to do, then you have to score a two-point conversion, which in the NFL, as we've seen, apparently is not as easy to do as you think it would be to score from two they, yards They away. failed on a two-point conversion, right? Like the Seahawks scored their touchdown, went for two to try and go up three. Yeah. And then failed. Yeah. Now, okay, yeah, and failed. Maybe if that had been a game-time two-point conversion, yeah. maybe they called a different play or there's like yep. a different level of, con- you know, who knows? It's not the same outcome, but still fundamentally, they kind of got to see what would have happened and they would have won. Yeah, and that for me is, is I think, the difference because the way the NFL is right now, for like I don't understand. I mean, that's something we talk about a lot too is how are teams not scoring more often on two-point conversions, but they don't. So having to add that factor in where not only do they have to score, but then they pretty much have like a 50-50 chance to get the two-point conversion. You can still win with that, you know? So not even just, yeah, to, I would have kicked the field goal, I think. Yeah, 100%. I would have punted and, and tried to corner kick it. And to me, I, I, actually think, <laughs> I actually think that's the way sometimes coaches need to frame their decision-making. Isn't even the analytics or whatever. It's like, what do the people on the, on the opposite sideline not want us to do? And Having said all of that, though, Eddie, they were, they were on the six-yard line. Oh, no, they should you have let a team it. You let a team go 94 yards down the field to score a touchdown that's pretty bad but this year with the seahawks you would have said which team would you almost have been more like the most scared about doing that in the nfl this year and it's the seahawks yeah so it's not like they let the the jets go 94 yards (laughs) you know they, they let a team that has been putting together fourth quarter drives go 94 yards yeah and but I have fairness, to say, the Seahawks again, basically scored ahead. two touchdowns because they also like they had the drop on the the second down before they eventually got the fourth down touchdown. Yeah, like that was an awful drop. Which the storyline then would have been like totally different had they then not eventually got their got the winning touchdown. Yeah, I have to say now, watching a few Seahawks games again this year, uh, as along with last year, DK Metcalf is a beast. He is. I hope he can keep this up, you know, and stay healthy because he is. He's he's a fun receiver to watch. He's so strong, and his he's got great hands. I mean, I didn't think his hands were that good, and he's he, like he's a game changer. Every time I watch the Seahawks and they seem to be down or in need of big plays, he's always right there, and that's it's it's impressive. Okay, serious question then, based on what you said about how good he is and how good his hands are. And I guess this is for both of you. What's more impressive, Metcalf's hands 
or Joe Burrow's mouth. <laughs> well, with Metcalf's hands, you get to put in his oh, imagine that, physique. Imagine that, yeah, imagine that sweet, sweet mouth on you while those hands just <laughs> caressed you. Oh, my God. Is DK Metcalf this generation's Terrell Owens? It, it might be a little bit early to start putting him in. I mean, totally they, they're very category. similar, right? You know, like crazy physique and athletic ability. Are they both total assholes? I, I don't know. If I, I don't know. I don't know if Metcalf's an asshole. I haven't heard enough of them. We'll have to see. If Metcalf's doing sit-ups in his driveway in two years, then the answer is yes. <laughs> Any other big takeaways from yesterday's games? I mean, the Ravens got the job done. Uh, Atlanta lost again, and they're now coachless. Yeah, I did like we joked a couple yeah. weeks ago, right? Where I would have I said that he should have been fired before the before he went to sleep that night, and they obviously uh, they've been listening to the podcast and decided they were going to follow that follow that advice a couple <laughs> weeks later. Yeah. Um, oh, the Texans have started their playoff run, as I said, one and four now. Here they come. Yeah, I mean, marching no. back into it. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we went through it. I mean, they have a pretty brutal schedule coming up anyway. So, obviously, this week's weird too, right? Because you had some bye week teams. We lost the Patriots game, um, which was supposed to be played as we're speaking, but then was totally postponed. There's still the Monday night game to come tonight, and the now Tuesday night game of the with the Bills and the Titans. So it's a kind of weird Sunday to look back on in many ways. Actually, I got to go on for Yeti. AFC North right now looking pretty stacked. Who's the better four and one team, the Ravens or the Browns? I mean, I'm definitely going to give the vote to the Ravens just because they've proven themselves way more than the Browns have. That being said, who do I think has the highest upside out of those two? I think it might be the Browns. Like the very best version of this Browns team might be better than the very best version of this Ravens team. But when the playoffs come around, I think I'm obviously going to have more confidence in this Ravens team, not only because this unit itself has kind of proven itself before, but also you have a coaching staff there that's proven themselves. I'll I'll tell you what, just looking at the AFC, you know, we just went through how the Browns should make the playoffs. It's not going to be easy. So there's only three wildcard teams, right? I'm not messing that up. Yeah. Three? Okay. So right now, if you're looking at wildcard teams, you have the Patriots at two and two. You have Maybe. the Ravens at the Ravens I at mean, four current, one. Yeah. Let me go through them and then okay. Ravens at Ravens at four and one. Browns at four and one. Colts at three and two. Raiders at three and two. So out of those, you have to have three of the teams. I mean, I think the Ravens and the Browns are definitely making it. I think the Raiders are definitely not making it. Yeah. The people I'd be worried about, like if I'm the Patriots, I'm a little bit concerned. Well, the Raiders, though, I mean, they're going to play the Chargers and the Broncos. So those are wins. Whereas the Browns have to play the Ravens and the Steelers still. You know, like yeah, fair if you're point. looking at with, within division wins. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is coming into this year, most people would have said the NFC is de- was definitely the stronger, and I think that's probably flipped now. And you would say that the AFC is the stronger. 
yeah, I mean, you could say the NFC is already kind of carved out who's making the playoffs almost. Well, I almost. guess that's not true, but I mean, there's a I couple mean, divisions like tonight's a big game in a way to see if the Saints are going to put themselves back in a position to win that division. And speaking yeah. of the Saints, right, Michael Thomas is suspended for tonight's game. Yeah, I did see that. Punching, for punching a teammate in practice. <laughs> Probably deserved it. <laughs> well, I did see so in three answer. different spots when the breaking news came out, and I saw three different uh, websites that I read, not Niners Nation, but each one of them speculated <laughs> that he was being suspended because he's injured his hand in the punch. And so rather than say he was out with an injury, they've suspended him. Wow. Because he it is true. Did, he probably did the stupid NFL football player thing. Oh, he punched a guy with a helmet on. Yeah. The dumbest you know, he, thing in the planet. No, no, they've, they've acknowledged that. He punched a player. He punched a cornerback with a, with a helmet on. I don't understand that. <laughs> Why? It's dumbest not like thing helmets invisible. Yeah, like how would you get to the point yeah. where you do that and think, oh, this is going to land. I'm going to really do some even damage if, here. Even <laughs> if you're Mike Tyson, you are only going to hurt yourself. What's, what's the goal? To give him, to give him CTE? Like, is it a long-term, <laughs> is it a long-term punishment? <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to rattle your brain and in 10 years, it's going to be really inconvenient. 20 years from now you're gonna you're gonna get my wrath <laughs> yeah when you forget when you're where your keys are you're gonna know it's because of me you'll remember the punch but you won't remember where your keys are exactly oh where are my keys ah <laughs> oh, fucking frank <laughs> yeah the nfc you're right is a little a little easier to predict because you're not getting a wild card out of the nfc east and you're you shouldn't be getting a playoff team out of the NFC East. Yeah. But I wish they should make an in-season. Can, can they donate yeah. their, their playoff? They, they should make an in-season update to the playoff rules because, like, this is going to be a – I mean, here's the – everyone should be grateful if you are someone who bets. Whichever team comes out of the NFC East is going to be the team to bet against in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. And then you have the – see, the, the tricky thing right now with the NFC – is you have the Bears at four and one. I don't think there's any way they hold that form. Probably not. At the moment. Probably not. And then you have the Panthers at three and two, Tampa at three and two, and the Saints at two and two. So out of that division in the NFC South, you might get a winner and a wild card if the All Saints right, let's do, start pulling it through. All right, Frank, let's flip it. Let's do the same thing with the Bears' schedule. Go through and predict win losses, see what we think their record's going to be. Okay. So, Home for the Panthers. Win. I'll go loss, though. Home, home for the Rams. <laughs> loss. Sam? Loss. At the Saints. Loss. Loss. Home for the Titans. Loss. Sam? They're going to win at some point. I'll probably say that's a win. At the Vikings. Loss. Loss. Home for the Packers. Loss. loss. Now I know what Sam uh, and I know what Frank is going to predict for this one at the Lions. I mean, I'll give them a win there. A win. At the Texans. Loss. Loss. Home for the Vikings. I'll, I'll give them a win so they have one win against the Vikings. Loss. A home for the Jags. Win. Loss. <laughs> and at the Packers. Loss. Loss. 
So I have them at four more wins. Yeah, so yeah. you both you both have them likely them missing the playoffs. Record. Yeah. Yeah. Man, what a depression that would be to start off the season four and four and one. Well, three and oh, right? And now four and one. Well, also, let's be real too. You have to look back on who their wins are against. So so far they've beaten the Lions. Not a great team. They beat the Giants, awful team. They beat the Falcons, awful team. And they snuck one out against the Bucks. That's their only good win so far, you'd argue. I mean, maybe yeah. you call the Lions a good win, but they also should have lost that game. But yeah, I mean, they should have lost the Bucks game too on the balance of like how things actually went in the game. But still, they've got one decent win so far. So it's a little bit difficult to suddenly think that from there they're going to turn into like a 10 or 11 team win win team yeah i think i think eight would be a fair assessment they go eight and eight i don't think eight and eight will make the playoffs in the nfc yeah i think you're looking at the wild cards being either the saints or the bucks and then the rams and either the cardinals or the niners i unlike you eddie i'm not counting the niners out yet you and jimmy g's mother i think i think that's about it (laughs) what do you think she calls him does she call him jimmy yeah, sexy Jimmy. His mother calls him sexy Jimmy. <laughs> it's, just, it's just irrefutable. <laughs> Is he in no way creeped out by that? No, it's a lifetime. Nice used, to, used it. to it. Yeah. <laughs> even, even as a six-year-old, hey, sexy Jimmy. Oh, he was one sexy kid. <laughs> Early on, you could tell. He had potential straight from birth. Uh now, is, is his mother the one who gave him the sexy Jimmy nickname? Or did it start with like one of her friends was like, no, your baby's quite sexy. <laughs> jail. No, the, the, doctor who del- jail. <laughs> the doctor who delivered him gave it to him. He came out just, well, my God, this is one sexy baby. And it stuck. <laughs> Wasn't even a real doctor. <laughs> What's his name? Sexy Jimmy. Is actually his full name is Sexy Jimmy Garoppolo on the, exactly. on the birth certificate. Wait, so his first name is Sexy. No. <laughs> no. First name is Sexy Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's like a hyphener. <laughs> yeah. Most he's people hyphen double, last he's, names. He's got a double-barreled first name. <laughs> well, speaking of predicting uh, the future of the NFL, predicting teams that will make the playoffs and predicting teams that will miss out we do we actually had a weekend full of some other records that maybe is worth us discussing so two fairly major sporting records were tied this weekend you had lewis hamilton who tied michael schumacher's grand prix wins so his 92nd win this weekend and you had rafael nadal who tied roger federer with total number of grand slams won he moved to 20 after winning his 13th French Open title. So we ran a little poll on our social media this after it happened on Sunday. I asked people which did they think was the more impressive record. And surprisingly enough for me, more people went for Nadal. And in some ways I get it because obviously winning 20 Grand Slams is kind of, it's insane. At the same time, I think more people would have thought of Schumacher's record as unbreakable whereas now it looks like obviously not only is Hamilton going to break the record he looks likely to be significantly past it he'll smash it 
I mean, it's just down to how long he wants to keep racing for, right? Like, fundamentally. Well, I think the thing for me would be, I I mean, I have no context of the Schumacher, or, well, still, I guess, technically his record, but soon-to-be-broken record, because, I mean, I've never even watched a Formula One race in my life. And I don't think, well, I don't know who's answering our poll, but I feel like it's a very Eurocentric sport. So I think if you ask people in the States, I don't think people in the States would even know who Lewis Hamilton is. We've talked about this before. I think you're wrong there. I think Hamilton's more famous than you think he is, even in the U.S. Just for some context, right? So you have Hamilton and Schumacher on 91 wins, and third place is 53. Who's on 53? Sebastian Vettel. And he's still going. So, I mean, he's had just as just the same amount of opportunities, right, as well? Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't have the number of races that they've actually competed in at hand. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. The thing they, Hamilton, about... Hamilton, and, Hamilton and Vettel started their career in exactly the same year. So you'd yeah. assume they've raced in approx- like approximately the same number of races. And, and then what you'd don't... also have to say, in a sense, that Hamilton winning 91 races at the same time that the third place is 153 almost makes that dominance more impressive. Yeah. I mean, the age old argument with F1 though, isn't it? It's like, is it how much of it's the driver? How much of it is, could you put an average driver in an incredible car and the average driver will still win a ton of races? Or is it just that Hamilton is so good? And obviously that's why they get the best car because Mercedes have been ridiculously dominant. No one's really come close to them, but 91 is pretty incredible. I mean, actually... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the team factor and technology factor is the thing that when you're then comparing it with Nadal, who's doing it fundamentally by himself, right? Obviously, trainer and support staff aside, it's him out there competing, and it doesn't matter that he uses a Babala racket and someone else is using a head. Like, that's not going to significantly shift the outcome of the match. Um, so I guess that you're right in that context. The fact that Hamilton, to to borrow one from Jake, right? If we if we put Hamilton in a sewing machine with four wheels, he's not winning any uh, any Grand Prix. <laughs> but he'll look he'll look fantastic doing. Yeah, it. and the noise would be great. <laughs> no, I I kind of agree with Sam on that point, and I guess that's an argument for a lot of racing like sports where how much of a sport is it you know obviously they're they're doing something to control the outcome but it's a lot different than you know someone getting in a car and driving the best car to a victory is a lot different than someone you know playing tennis against another person and not as much is out of their control i guess you know like when you're playing tennis everything is in your control like you're, like you're saying it the rackets are the same the balls are the same the courts are the same you know it's not like you have a major advantage with certain equipment or something like that yeah and and we talked about it too right coming into this uh Roland Garros when we were kind of previewing it this in a way is probably Nadal's most impressive win because all of the conditions were working against him so in the sense, the kick he could get off his forehand was basically gone, at least the kind of remarkable level of kick because of the colder weather and damper weather and because of the new balls. So in many ways, this was maybe his mo- the most impressive of, of the 13 victories that he's had. 
also, I mean, he didn't drop a set. He's only the, I believe the 10th, it's only the 10th time in men's uh, open era tennis that a, a, a male tennis player has won a grand slam without losing a set. That, the, that to me is the insane part. Well, That's... the remarkable thing about that stat is Nadal's done it four times. <laughs> so out of, that, out of that 10, four of them are Nadal at the French Open. <laughs> he then also improved his record at the French Open yesterday to 100 wins and two defeats. That's, uh, yeah. And he is who now... The, who were the two? I th- well, he lost to, he's lost to Djokovic once before. God. Wasn't there like a really surprising... I think he lost to Robin. I think he lost to Soderling. I think in the year Federer, the year Federer won, and I think Soderling knocked him out. The thing also, he's never lost in the semifinals or the final. So I think after yesterday, his record improved to, I think, twenty six and zero in the semifinals or finals of the French Open. Just on every time, like no matter which way you kind of slice it, the. His hey. record at, at the tournament is just unbelievable. Good good pun with the tennis there as well, with the slice. Yeah, it was unintentional, but yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the, thing, the thing with tennis for me, like Eddie, you're the tennis expert here, so you can correct me, but with these two records, so you've got Hamilton and obviously Nadal we're talking about, like fundamentally the thing with Formula One is the objective is to win the race, right? Whereas tennis, because of the changes in the court, so hardcore, grass, clay, is it a case that with Nadal, so many players are just like, it's so pointless to try and get better at clay because you won't beat Nadal, that people haven't focused on the clay as much and therefore maybe that's given Nadal an edge because he's like, it's just almost pointless competing. So not many people have even tried to compete on clay. They've just focused on the more competitive, hardcore grass. Just a, just an opinion, I guess. But I, I just think if you know someone is so good at it, you could focus somewhere else. You focus your attention on training for hardcore and grass court. Sure. I mean, two things there, right? So clay is technically the most popular surface in world tennis in terms of what people grow up playing on. So most people will grow up playing on at least some element of clay. So is that what that. you grew up on, Eddie? I mean, technically I started playing right in the US, so it was all hardcore. It's why you very wow. rarely see American players doing well at Roland Garros. Is that why you the... struggled when you moved back to Europe? You just couldn't handle the clay? No, I was lucky enough. I moved at a young <laughs> enough age where I got accustomed to the clay. I'm not going to bite, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so there is that element. I think you might be right in the sense that for maybe some of the bigger players, there is the idea that normally Roland Garros right falls, the clay court season is relatively short and Wimbledon falls right on the heels of Roland Garros normally. So you might have had some players who kind of have one eye on Wimbledon, Roger Federer probably being the main one. And obviously Roger Federer didn't even, he's now in recent years skipped the French Open and the clay court season in general just because he knows it's not a place where he's going to be that successful. I guess the difficult but, one for Nadal in a sense in terms of his record now while being tied for the most Grand Slams wins, it's a, it's a little bit difficult for me because as 13 of his have come at a single event, I think Federer's is more impressive, and I even think Djokovic on 17 is more impressive. 
Then well, see, I was, I was going to argue though that I, I think it's pretty impressive that he's still won seven, not in the French Open, because you know when you, I think when a lot of people think of Nadal, they just think of oh, he just dominates the French Open, but he's won seven other majors that weren't the French Open. I, I mean, if you look at this in another sport that has a similar concept of the majors in golf if you have a person winning seven other majors that's an extremely impressive feat do you know what i mean like i i understand what you're saying where where federal was even more spread out but i was surprised that i i didn't realize that he had won seven non-french opens i thought he had won like four like three like he had won each one once and then won another one once Basically, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know he had won the U.S. Open four times. And it's, I'm stupid for not realizing that because he'd won them recently, too. So but I think you kind of forget about that when you think of Nadal. No, I do get what you're saying. And in a sense, because it's not unusual to have a clay court specialist and Roland Garros in the past has been dominated by people who literally would have been relevant tennis players for that two months of the year and then disappeared for the remainder. So he does deserve credit at being that dominant on one surface and still having a game that adapts to other other surfaces i mean there's no doubting like what a brilliant tennis player he is it's and just, as your mother pointed out if he didn't have bad knees imagine how good he'd be also true yeah yeah he's he has struggled with injury so to get to that number is impressive i mean the, the question is we are looking at a realistic scenario where they all end up on say 21 and then it's going to be like, how do you decide who's technically had the better career or who gets to call themselves the greatest of all time? And it's going to be hard to call Nadal the greatest of all time because he has basically mainly dominated one surface and one event. But it would be an interesting one. Who's your money on then in terms of who will finish with the most Grand Slams? You've got Federer on 20. I would say there's a good chance Federer never wins one again just because of his age. Yeah. You have Nadal, who's 34 on 20. I'd say there's a good chance he wins at least one more French Open. So 21, at the, in the very least, seems like a realistic number. And then you have Djokovic, who's 33 on 17. But he's the far more likely to win the other events. So it, it, would you rather... Who do you think is going to finish on a, on a higher number? Djokovic or Nadal? I think Djokovic. I just think he has more variation to go to three of the four and win. And I just think there's more opportunity for him. Whereas are you, I'm not giving Nadal any other win except one or maybe two more Roland Garros's. But I, I, I'm going to go, I go Djokovic. It's just a shame with Federer because I feel like he should be the one, like kind of the all-time great of sorts because there's so much variation in how he's won it, but also he's won it during a really competitive time of tennis and I think when I look back if I if I look back obviously we've been so lucky that we've gone through this um, period like actually living it so we can go back and we can remember certain finals and certain epics and stuff like that but I think if you just knew nothing about tennis and you put these three people in front of someone and you talked about the variations of court and stuff like that I think it would be a little bit harder to justify Nadal being the best. So I think it's a bit unfortunate that Federer won't win again and he's not going to hold that kind of like all-time most wins. But going back to your question, I think Djokovic, I think I'd probably fairly confidently say Djokovic will win more than 
21-22, which is where I think Nadal will finish. What's again, what again Eddie? 17? 17, yeah. So he, he needs four more to, 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 to take the record as it stands. Yeah, I can as, see that. Yeah, and he'll, he'll knock any ball girl out of the way if he has to. Yeah, he'll, dis- he'll destroy anyone in his path to get that <laughs> title. <laughs> I get what you're saying there, Sam. I, I guess the the interesting thing, right, is their era of tennis will undoubtedly go down as the the greatest era ever in terms of when they were all fundamentally in their prime simultaneously. And you also had Andy Murray and Stan Wawrinka, players who in another era would have won significantly more tournaments plus a handful of other, you know, like good to very good players. That being said, even though they have managed to extend the playing career, you know, in, in the past, you would have retired at 30, if not occasionally younger. Like playing tennis well into your 30s was not a done thing. So the fact that you still have Roger Federer competing at 39 years old and you have Nadal at 34 and Djokovic at 33, that would have been unimaginable, you know, 15, 20 years ago. They have been a little bit lucky that the next generation, or even arguably the two generations that have followed them, have took not been that great. <laughs> so yeah, they, they took a while, didn't they? But have they not been great? Because it's really hard to get past three people. I mean, you could argue if it was just Djokovic, then you have more opportunities for an, an up-and-coming player to kind of make it. But when you have to get past Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, major after major after major it's really hard to do right yeah for sure the, the, you'd feel a little bit like the uh, the deck was stacked against you a little bit um i think kind of also going back to what you said sam there a little bit i think the the unluckiest one in a way is going to be Djokovic, because i don't think Djokovic enters most people's discussion of greatest of all time that he kind of as the all-around tennis player gets sort of overlooked when compared with Federer because Federer is a bit more stylish in his play and kind of obviously established himself before. And then you have Nadal who would have the claim of being the singularly most dominant player in any specific scenario, right? Like you, you now, if you had to have one bet in the world to sort of save your life, I'd want to bet on Rafael Nadal winning a clay court match. Like there's just <laughs> nothing else I'd rather have. I like that thought of just like, if you had to have one single bet, and if it loses, you die. What is the bet you want? <laughs> no, but I mean, like in, in serious, you know, like someone comes to you, puts a gun to your head, and says, "Like, look, you've got one bet this weekend. <laughs> Who's that? When it you, you're losing, Eddie's bookies. This is how much money he owes. <laughs> yeah, they chase me hard. Fortunately, I chose Rafael Nadal, and I'm still alive." <laughs> You are right, though, Eddie. I, I think if someone said to you what's one of the hardest feats in sport at the moment, you would probably say beating Rafael Nadal on clay. I, I yeah, I think so. if you look in tennis, right, it's either beating Rafael Nadal on clay or having Smacking Serena women Williams. women in the throat with Djokovic. <laughs> no, just having Serena Williams not throw a meltdown mid-match. It's one of those two things. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say More arm wrestling. Eddie, could you beat Serena Williams in an arm wrestling match? Ooh. Oh, no way. No way? No way? No. Do, do you She's think you'd lose quickly? Or do you, think, do you think you would be somewhat competitive, though? 
Or do you think you're just like folding, you know, maybe even she's so good that she somehow like dislocates your arm. <laughs> just rips like, it off. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you don't think you're competitive at all? No, I mean, in all seriousness, I would back myself. Now it would come down to the <laughs> fundamental issue here time and time again, which is I'm left-handed. So am I arm wrestling her left-handed or right-handed? Because she's right-handed. If, if, if it's right-hand v. right-hand, I'm probably saying she's the favorite. If it's left-hand v. left-hand, then yeah, I'm, I'm winning. Last time I saw Eddie arm wrestle someone, it didn't end well for the other person in the long run. What, are they dead? Or? <laughs> uh, they lost some fingers. <laughs> <laughs> what? What, a great, what a great way to segue what? that without the in-between part. <laughs> We'll just what? leave it that way. That's how, that's how terrifying I am. And I don't, no, no, just they, they wrestled, arm wrestled me and they lost some fingers. Let's just leave it that way. They what arm wrestled like, Eddie. What did you do? Bite them off? <laughs> I just squeezed and squeezed the blood out of his hand. Oh my God. <laughs> they are now missing several fingers. Yep. Right. Eddie, Frank, speaking. What about you? Oh, I'm also what arm wrestling. Yeah. I'm also lefty, so I have that uh, problem when people always want to arm wrestle me. Which was again a thing in Paris. Every time I went to the bars, people always wanted to arm wrestle Tim and I. I don't know why. It was very annoying. I've never in my life you... wanted to arm wrestle someone. Like never in my life have I seen <laughs> someone and been like, so "I want to arm wrestle you." It's so annoying. <laughs> Wait, all three of us are lefties. That's interesting. Oh, that should have been the name of the podcast. Yeah, three oh. lefties. Damn it. Maybe not three so lefties. Are you... Uh, <laughs> that's a bad that's idea. A, it's a different kind of podcast. So, yeah, Frank, talk about politics. Uh, mm, I think it'd be close. Eddie has uh, Here's the, the thing is... The, my big issue with manage. arm wrestling is I get really, <laughs> I get really scared that my forearm is going to snap just because, like, having watched <laughs> inter- so much power. <laughs> no, it's no. Just having watched, having you like, grown just up. imagine like the tables around like shaking like an earthquake happening. Oh, don't worry, Eddie's arm wrestling. He generates so much power. No, like, arm wrestling a black like, bear. <laughs> Yeah. My fear is like having grown up in that generation of like E-Bombs World videos. And I felt like when I was maybe like 12 to 15, like every third video I watched was someone arm wrestling like outside a bar and having their forearm snap. And so ever (laughs) since watching that as a kid, whenever I arm wrestle, one of my thoughts is 100% like, oh, my forearm, my forearm is going to snap either because the other person starts to win and I hold on. And then it just goes or the reverse that you're like pushing down on them and then it goes like either way i feel slightly nervous i might if that happened i i probably would instantly vomit if i just saw well that's how you win that's it's it's my special move i just gross them out (laughs) you just don't let them pin you with your your shattered forearm and then you you flip it on them (laughs) eddie are you now are you now afraid to play quarterback after seeing both Alex Smith and Dak Prescott go down. No, nah, that's fine. I'd be okay. <laughs> Just this idea of watching Eddie try to like pop his ankle back in. <laughs> <laughs> I'd tough it out. I would have finished that game. Speaking, Eddie, of gun to your head bets, um, ESPN does this new thing now, I guess, because 
it's annoying because people could kind of always bet on sports, but now that it's officially like legal and everyone's trying to get in on it, they do like a weekly update of the biggest bets taken at sports books, which I don't really get because Vegas has always been accepting sports bets. So, but now, now they want to highlight it all of a sudden. Is it Floyd, is it Floyd Mayweather every week? No. So DraftKings has taken their biggest bet ever supposedly on a parlay their biggest parlay ever three million dollar three-leg parlay georgia to win georgia to win the sec east alabama to win the sec west and the packers to win the nfc north if successful this bet would pay out 8.6 million off of a three million dollar bet so 5.6 profit I mean, I like the principle. That is kind of my kind of bet. Obviously, not that I'm betting those sort of figures, but like that is kind of my sort of move that I don't know enough about some aspects of the college football involved there to know like how confident I would be in Georgia. But oh, at the time, I, so this, this is where it gets tricky is I don't know if this was bet on Saturday. Oh, on Tuesday. Okay, so that's a pretty bold bet because on Tuesday would have been before this week college football and this week Florida lost. They were also undefeated with Georgia in the um, SEC East. So it would have been a pretty bold bet because I think Florida was ranked fifth at the time. So you're risking the fact that Georgia, who's ranked third, is going to outlast the team who's ranked fifth. It's not like Georgia has an easy road to the at the time to the SEC East. Now they kind of do yeah. with with Florida having a loss. So, but that's a pretty risky bet now that I think about it. I mean, the Packers. How sad is it going to be when you lose three million dollars because of Nick Foles? You think? <laughs> He's coming. He would scare coming. you a little bit, right? It would scare you just a tiny bit. I mean, if I ever put a bet of three million dollars, I think anything would scare me. <laughs> well, you have to hope that, you, in a sense, that it, nothing would scare you because life is good enough that you're putting a three million dollar bet on. So you have to hope, in a way, that like win or lose this bet, hit whoever this person's life is, is probably still pretty good. Hopefully. See, I don't know because when I put on a ten dollar bet. I still get like nervous if it's going to win or lose. It would be nerve wracking, but fundamentally like say you have a net worth to be putting a $3 million bet on. I have to hope you have a net worth of at least like 200 million. Yeah. And, and also Frank, so. your nervousness is because you want the bet to win. So it's probably more like apprehension and like you want this bet to win. Whereas this guy, <laughs> this guy hasn't. You mean, you mean need wallet. to win. Need yeah, to this, win. This, this yeah, guy hasn't exactly. like you gone through his $10. wallet. He doesn't. <laughs> yeah, this guy hasn't gone through his wallet, like gone to the back of the sofa and gone, ah, three million. Got it. <laughs> now gonna put rolled, it no, he rolled a few this. free bet. He rolled a few free bet credits into a $3 million win and then just decided, <laughs> fuck it, all in. <laughs> Here's I, the thing is crazy, actually. I'm actually surprised that it, someone took that action. Because from the bookie standpoint, it just seems like you are fundamentally you that that will have just kind of killed. They're trying to get sort of fairly even action on either side, and now they will put, be put in a scenario where one, well, where three events could really hurt them. Yeah, have they moved the lines on them because of it? Like that's oh, the I point, don't know. isn't it? Really, because 
you don't you like Eddie said, you can't move the line on Georgia because the bet is conditional upon two others. Yeah. So they've got a real problem making their book make more sense in, in trying to balance it out because they can't just go all in on Florida or something like that. That's that's a tough old bet for a bookie to try and lay elsewhere. Yeah, and I will agree with you on this one, Frank. Like, As much as obviously we talk about odds in our podcast and stuff, the fact that every aspect of mainstream sports coverage in the U.S. is now framed around gambling. Like, when I look at the popularity of gambling in the U.K., and I think it already has played too prominent of a role in sports. Like I personally, for example, don't like gambling companies sponsoring sports teams and stuff like that. I think that should be kept separate. But when I turn on say Sky Sports, typically most of the coverage is not like the odds on the match and who do you think is going to win? It's fundamentally like a preview of the match and talking about just like, well, one team has to win or lose or draw. Like these are, we're just going to talk about it in that perspective. The fact that almost all sports coverage in the U.S. now is like, who's going to cover the spread? Who's going to do this? It's like, can't we just talk about who's going to win the game and forget about this seven and a half points that neither team gives a shit about? Well, the, the thing that bothers me the most about that is how much of a 180 it's been since there's been more of this legalized sports betting. You know, before... All right, it was just Vegas that could legally do it, but everyone was still betting, you know, and they refused to participate. Like ESPN wouldn't yeah. put spreads up, but then now that it's legal, it's like boom, everything now is about the spread. What's the spread on this game? What's the over under? What's the spread? So that part is re- this the the crazy 180 that the sports in the U.S. has done kind of is annoying. The second thing that really bothers me is that they were still doing it for fantasy football for the past six seven years. So why couldn't you also do, like fantasy football technically wasn't really legal, you, you know? Yeah. You could play free fantasy football, but no one was playing free fantasy football. So if that wasn't legal and you were talking about that nonstop, which is the most annoying thing, I, you think talking about a team covering a seven point spread arbitrarily is annoying. Having to listen to a random, how a random person's uh, going to perform take, in a random game. Frank, uh, don't take Matt, don't take Matthew Barry's career away from him. What he does is so important, and year yeah, in year right. out, he's still able to motivate himself. Hey, it got him! It. it got him a cameo in the Avengers, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I, I don't, I and mean, that's one of the reasons why I don't even participate in fantasy football is I can't stand the nonstop talking about it and the nonstop like cheering for certain players to do things and ignoring the actual game. It takes away so much from the game. Yeah. And I guess so. Speaking of that, we didn't make a pick. Who's for your the, uh, best fantasy pick? <laughs> we didn't make a pick for the uh, the Bills Titans game because when we had our last last podcast, there wasn't a line on it. So uh, maybe before we wrap up our NFL coverage, um, Frank, the if you had to take one receiver for the most fantasy points in this game, who is it? Oh, <laughs> uh, don't make a pick. Don't make a pick, Frank. That person's career is going to be over. I know. I'm not going to say it because the person I will pick, I want their team to do well. So, so yeah. Frank, how about, Sam, how about we just pick a team? <laughs> I know that you, you, I know, Sam, you usually do this bit, but Bills at Titans. Bills are three and a half point favorites. Who Took are you taking? Away. Oh, I'm taking Bills. I, I, to, I cover think, the, to cover the three and a half? And to cover. I just think, the, for me, it hasn't. 
worked out too well with the COVID stuff, but I just think the Titans have been so disrupted. And the Bills uh, just look good. They just look really good. So, yeah, absolutely, I'd take the Bills and cover that spread. Yeah, same for me, Frank. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bills. I mean, if you look at the the Titans are undefeated. They're 3-0, yeah, but 16-14 to over the Broncos, 33-30 to against Jacksonville, and 31-30 to against the Vikings. I mean, they're barely holding on against teams that combined have two wins, three wins so far. And then they lost to KC in the opener. Or I'm sorry, um, that was in the playoffs. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think the Bills are going to beat up on them. I think the Bills are going to put up 40. All right, interesting. We'll have to keep track of that. Now, Sam, I stole one bit from you, but I am going to redeem myself by giving you a nice bit of Sam the Squid news that you probably are not aware of. So the the last round of the MLB playoffs wrapped up on, I think it was Saturday night, the final the final series concluded. Yep. You and I made exactly the same predictions. Uh, Frank disagreed with us on two series. And I can say that Sam the Squid did not get a series wrong. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> really? Sam the Squid, four for four. What were the what were the results? But also what were the <laughs> Lovey doesn't even know what, what he picked, so he's just like, what, what happened? <laughs> Look, the idea behind the squid is that I try to see as little as possible and remember as little as possible. Because the last thing I want to do is pick up like any sort of like design or a team I pick and I want to keep going this is all random from the squid and he's just gone four and four. So don't question the logic, Frank. So I'll tell you. So you picked the Rays of the Yankees. That was the tightest series. The Rays won uh, in five games. So three to two, the, the series went the full distance and kind of that was the best series in terms of it could have gone either way at, at almost any moment. You pick the Astros. I mean, I, so, so we, pick, we agreed on all of our picks. You pick the Astros. Frank disagreed and went for the A's, and the A's did not have did not have a very good series and lost three to one. Yeah, they did not play well. We all picked the Padres. I mean, we all picked the Dodgers. Sorry, <laughs> and the Dodgers <laughs> beat beat the Padres Padres three zero, and we all picked the Braves, and the Braves beat the Marlins three zero. So, in a sense, the the two series we all agreed on, the two teams swept. So, I guess there's a, there's something there. Yeah, I was disappointed the Yankees didn't pull that out. And so then that brings us on to the next round. And Sam, it has to be said that one of these series has already started, but I know that you do not know any of those games. So this is now a best of seven uh, series. Who are you taking in the Rays against the Astros? I'm taking the Rays. Okay, Frank? I'll take the Rays because I thought the Yankees were going to win and I thought they'd make it to the World Series. So if they beat the Yankees, I'll take them to go instead. All right. I mean, I'm also taking the Rays. And it's and oh, who are they playing again? The Astros? The Astros, yeah. Oh, oh, you're off your Astros bandwagon? This is what I didn't think America this gets? Is, this, is, this is as far as America goes. <laughs> and, then, and then in the other, the other uh, series, it's Dodgers-Braves. Who are you taking, uh, who are you taking Sam? Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah, I've already declared the Dodgers as my 
World Cup, World Cup, World Series uh, pick. So I can't <laughs> wow, abandon. It's a really that. good team going across great, sports. Great sports <laughs> podcast we've got here. Yeah, I, I think the Dodgers are the favorite for the Stanley Cup. I feel pretty good about that one. <laughs> oh, oh, we're talking hockey again. And I think the Astros could win the Triple Crown. <laughs> but the it is worth now saying uh, the Rays are two up in the series against the Astros. So we have all, all right, the, the we team got that, that, is, one. <laughs> that is halfway towards the World Series. How have they played two games already? Um, they played, what was it? They played last night and they played tonight. The game, wow. game two has just finished, basically. Baseball just really wants to get it done and over with. They are flying through these playoffs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would, though. I mean, it's like if you the quicker you do it, the less chance you got of like this COVID outbreak stuff. So. Well, their argument is basically <laughs> you've removed all travel, so there's no reason why they can't play back to back because the travel is the thing that would have tired them off, tired them off, tired them out before, and <laughs> needed them to have rest days and stuff. So now they can just. The thing is, when you are watching it, the the one where the one area where that becomes tricky is like relief pitchers now are having to pitch like multiple days, which is kind of unusual a lot of the time. And obviously we spoke about Liam Hendricks, the A's naked reliever uh, in, the lot, in the last podcast. But, you know, he was pitching like 20 pitches one day and coming in and pitching 35 pitches the next. And he wouldn't have done that at any other point in his career. Baseball doesn't strike me as a tiring sport. For a pitcher, it would be. Just for a pitcher. That and just mental fatigue, I guess you would argue, even as a hitter, just that would be tiring. But yeah, for a pitcher, if you're you're literally throwing your arm off almost at times and then you're coming in the next day to try and do it again, wouldn't be the greatest feeling in the world. But speaking about uh, bubbles that have wrapped up, also worth saying that the the Lakers won the NBA title yesterday. I also love, for a sports podcast, we bury the, the NBA championship to the back. Uh, it deserved to be buried. <laughs> A, it deserved to be buried for two reasons. One, because it was so obvious the Lakers were going to win anyway, right? Even when this series started. But then certainly even the last time we recorded, they were 3-1 up. So like they were obviously going to win. And we kind of already acknowledged that fact. The second reason why I don't want to give it too much time is because I'm so annoyed by two aspects of the Lakers winning. One, which we've kind of talked about in the past, and I know how much you two loved it, but this constant, like, we did this one for Kobe. Like, we won for him. People keep saying, like, oh, sometimes in the middle of the night, I was I was wondering, what am I doing in the bubble? What am I doing here? I want to just go home. And then Kobe's voice would come to me and tell me, you know, just keep going. You can win it. I think in reality, if Kobe's voice had been coming to them in the middle of the night and they were stuck in a in hotel. <laughs> no, when he was coming to them in the middle of the night, stuck in a hotel, he was like, you could definitely rape one of the girls that works here. You'd 100% get away with it. Don't worry. Do one for me. <laughs> I will, Kobe. I will. <laughs> exactly. That would be, be horrible news the next day, wouldn't it? <laughs> and then the second <laughs> aspect... I, I like LeBron James. I think he's a pretty likable guy. We've kind of talked about that on, on previous episodes. But the fact that he won and his attitude to winning has been, you better respect me now. What are you going to say about me now? It's like, uh, LeBron, like for the last like 10 years, people have basically universally acknowledged you as being one of the best five players in the history of the game. Most people have you in the top two. Some people have you have number one. 
what are you asking for respect? Like, what, what do you feel? How did you feel slighted by people? Uh, in addition to that, you came into this year as the second favorites to win the title behind the Clippers. Even coming into the playoffs, they were second favorites to win the title. They were overwhelming favorites in every series that they played. What respect is, does he feel like he's not getting? Yeah, I think he's confusing the fact that people say he's not the greatest of all time, but is the second greatest of all time as a major slap. Yeah. As like major insult and disrespect when, I mean, one, it is a very good debate. I mean, even LeBron who was a huge MJ fan has to acknowledge the fact that look like MJ is the greatest all time before LeBron and Maybe he's done enough. Maybe he hasn't. But for him to be completely blinded by that fact is just that would be really ignorant on his part. So he has to know, you know, the debate of being the greatest all time is centered around his favorite player of all time, who he knows everything about. But the other thing is, is like, is it really disrespectful to be called the second best ever? Like, is that really disrespectful? I mean, for me, I'll reserve judgment until Space Jam 2. Because then you can compare Michael Jordan and LeBron. Fair point. <laughs> like, so that is an absolutely fair point. That's that's going to be the real game changer. And also, the, if, look, if he kills it in the acting scene, greatest ever. There are <laughs> NBA players who can claim that they get left totally left out of the discussion for the greatest ever. Like Bill Russell never really gets discussed as the greatest ever, but he's the greatest, you know, champion ever. All those kind of things. LeBron James is in, no matter how people sort of frame the debate of greatest ever, he's always there. So I just, it's just so infuriating to me. It is as if it, like Rafael Nadal had, had won yesterday and then his speech had been like, okay, are all you going to finally acknowledge it? Are you going to respect me now when I play on clay? Are you going to respect me? Are you going to stop doubting me when I play on clay? Novak Djokovic was favorite coming into this tournament. You're all going to stop doubting me now? Like, what a petty there's little a big bitch. american there's an american arrogance with that though i find like that's a very american thing like i don't think you'd see anyone european wise doing that it seems to be this american feeling of like i want to be the, the greatest ever and they need that acknowledgement whereas yeah can you think of like a footballer a rugby player a cricketer a tennis player where like they've come out and they're like aside from the obvious rhetoric of be like i want to be the best there can be you know kind of humbly said no one's coming out having that kind of individual mentality to it i think you sometimes i'm sure if because you don't want to be called out from people i'm sure there are teams that have won in football and rugby or, or cricket who said well look m- m- maybe we've proven the doubters wrong in this instance the problem is when you don't have doubters you cannot say that that's the issue <laughs> Like if the Miami Heat had won and Jimmy Butler had been like, I hope I shut a few people up and people believe in me now, that's fine. I'm fine with that reaction. But when you're LeBron James and everyone has, you haven't even retired yet and people are already saying you're at worst the second best player of all time, like shut up and just say like, hey, this was a great achievement. It's never easy to win a title. I should know that. You know, like I've, I've been on great teams and lost titles. I haven't won every time I've made the finals. I've lost earlier in the playoffs before in my career. I know how hard this is. This was a great achievement, especially on, in unique circumstances. But to frame it like, 
And I'm fine to be motivated by your doubters. Like even like say Michael Jordan, right? Like that was one of those things that became clear in the, you know, in the documentary series, any, anything that could motivate him in terms of like some guy saying something or someone doubting him, he turned that into the, like the driving force behind what he did, but he still doesn't like, he wasn't winning title number six and being like, you, you, none of you thought I was good. None of you thought I was good. It's like, no, Michael, we've all acknowledged that you're very good. Yeah, I agree completely with Sam's point that we have to wait till Space Jam. Yeah, no, that's fine. If he, <laughs> wow. Uh, that will actually be the interesting thing about Space Jam, right? Because now, uh, do you think they're going to the make, I think we're going to say the same thing. Are they going to make, is it like, just redoing the same the same premise like do they do they acknowledge that space jam one happened like is this the monsters coming back and they're like wanting their revenge and then equally if they have acknowledged the existence (laughs) of one it's not a horror (laughs) no but if they're called the the monsters they're called the monsters (laughs) no you said like coming back wanting revenge kind of thing yeah because they lost horror plot i i know they lost Sorry, spoiler alert. But and then and then second of all, do they give LeBron like the bigger comeback, or just like look like is it like oh no 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 Michael had like Michael was down by like forty eight points at halftime. I need to be down by forty nine plus, or else people are going to claim he was better. Or or does Bugs Bunny go to LeBron in the beginning and was like, hey, we tried to get MJ, but he didn't want to do it, so we got the next best player. Are you in? <laughs> oh no, or even a bigger slight. They're like, we, we were planning on having Kobe, but then things went a little bit wrong there. Oh, things went a little rapey. <laughs> so we want the next I was, best I was, I was Sam, I was talking more about the helicopter incident. <laughs> the heli- is that the name of our show? Like the helicopter incident? That's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's our spin-off <laughs> podcast. <but I'm> sure. <laughs> Ooh. I'm, here all, I'm here all week. I know something else is spun off. Yeah, I'm interested to see the Space Jam plot. I don't think it's been released yet. I mean, we have seen the jerseys. I think we even talked about the jerseys. I think they look pretty cool. So he's already got that going for him. So he can't say it's because they have worse jerseys. (laughs) If he was storing that excuse up his his non-existent (laughs) sleeves, I guess. Yeah. Well, how was I supposed to be a better actor? Our jerseys were terrible. No respect in these jerseys. <laughs> yep. And then he becomes Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, I hope I proved all that doubt is yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, just puts a fake tie on for no reason, starts doing his Rodney Dangerfield uh, bits. <laughs> no respect. No respect. <laughs> Went to see my doctor. <laughs> he starts doing... I, hope, I would actually hope he starts doing the Michael Scott from The Office trying to do Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> oh, yeah, very, very meta. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So anything else worth discussing now that at the very end we've discussed the NBA championship? Well, I, there was a funny, speaking of helicopters, actually, uh, I don't know if you saw in the Giro d'Italia. I know we love it when I go into cycling. But uh, at the end of, I think it was stage three, maybe, of the Giro d'Italia, a cyclist was was coming towards the finish line and a helicopter that was filming it got too low and created too much of a, too much of a breeze <laughs> and, it, and it blew him off his bike. <laughs> 
he had to be <laughs> hospitalized. Really low. Yeah, he had to be hospitalized and he was out of the race. Oh, that's unfortunate. The best thing about it too is the coverage is excellent because the fact that the helicopter is too low is giving them like a bird's eye view. <laughs> Can you get closer? Can you get closer? <laughs> Perfect. I mean, it just hovers. He's then he's like, but he's prone on the ground. Like he was very badly injured. He's just prone lying there, and the helicopter is still just hovering above him, filming it as he starts to get medical lands treatment. Lands on him. <laughs> Gotta get the shot. Gotta get the shot. That's funny. But no, that, I mean, I guess only other news we can maybe say Enable was officially retired today. The end of Enable. Yeah. Uh, Although some was... very interesting news because Frank, I know you love in the future kind of looking at the pedigree of horses and like looking at the breeding. And they've already in, yeah, they've already announced that it will be spending some time with Kingman yeah, in the future. So that's that's going to be some interesting uh, offspring. Yeah, that'll be some nice lineage there. Hell of a retirement, isn't it? <laughs> You're retired and instantly must be bred. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've got the same kind of thing planned for me when this podcast wraps up. <laughs> you're going oh. to retire and then get impregnated? I'm going to make an official <laughs> announcement about who I'll be breeding with. Frank, the biology of that statement, I won't question, but yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. Frank loves statistics because he's a scientist. I didn't say I love statistics. I just say I follow statistics. What do you mean? I don't you always love means. them. If I, it means if I see a bad statistic, one, it doesn't two, mean I love three, it. Four, five, what do you mean? Like, six. I'm following them. <laughs> But also following implies like a, oh, this statistic is giving me some good insights at the moment kind of thing. Like, what do you mean by follow? Like in in analytics of football, I would follow whatever the the statistics say, like what's the best move to go for. I would base my decision off of the statistics. So okay. on that logic, you're going you're for the Steelers. Them. So you're going for the Steelers next week. No. Analytics doesn't give you every answer. <laughs> I hope the Steelers make it to the Super Bowl because I would love that Super Bowl preview show. I will just tear into them. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll also just be tearing into you, Frank. I mean, I mean, this weekend, right? The upcoming weekend. Obviously, Thursday will be when we do our preview and predictions. But this is a lose-lose for you. It's Steelers-Browns. Your only positive outcome is if a few of them actually, one of a few of them actually test positive for COVID, and this match doesn't take place, or if some of them get hurt. I can hope for a season-ending injury. Wow! My my bet of the week. So much bad karma. My bet of the week is Ben (laughs) Roethlisberger and Baker Mayfield go for over three hundred yards. If we were doing a a draft. Who's the number one pick in the like sexual harasser slash uh, rapist athlete draft? Is it oh Big Ben God. or is it Kobe? Who's going first? <laughs> Calling well, him Big I, Ben. I think, I think Kobe's current situation would yield him. <laughs> See, this is where I spring a surprise because I'm following the real statistics. And so, Kareem Hunt. 
<laughs> no, Kareem Hunt, that's amateur hour, you know. I'm going to take Oscar's Pistorius. <laughs> what There's is he up to? Was... What do you mean, what is he up to? <laughs> he's, he's just there. He's just like walking around on his knees. <laughs> Where is he at nowadays? <laughs> on the floor. He's <laughs> just prepping for the next Olympics. Oh, one final topic, actually, that I did send to you, both of you, and you both ignored it, so you probably hoped that I wasn't actually going to address this in the in the podcast, but there was an announcement from the RFU this weekend, or last week, so that well, What's the, the RFU? World, well, world, not actually the RFU, because that's just, uh, but the that's World just, Rugby's yeah. made a decision to uh, not allow the transgender women can play yeah. women's rugby. Interesting one. I mean, did they do it because there is a specific example that they needed to rule on, or have they just come out and gone, slow day? <laughs> I, I don't Let's get ahead of the game. Yeah, I don't want transgender women in my sport. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, is there a specific person that has called this into question, or are they just ruling? I'm sure there's athletes pushing for it, right? In the same way, and it's a tough one because obviously, you know, I'm all in wanting to support transgendered people's rights and stuff, but but <laughs> but then I've watched some of those fights they've had in like the this, MMA. This butt is brought to you by yeah. Bugsy's vodka shots. <laughs> No, I've had no alcohol today. But they, <laughs> I've watched some of the fights where transgendered women have fought in MMA against normal women, and it is just a man beating the living shit out of a woman. Like, but it's so, not a man. Well, ge- genetically, like physically, physically, they've grown as a man, right? And then they, yeah. the idea that, like, I don't know, say, say, say that. You know, a couple retired, and I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't try. And, I'm not trying to belittle the cause by saying that people would but. sex changes <laughs> just to, to like advance themselves in their but. sporting field. But, but it might happen. <laughs> <laughs> so you think people go through changes of gender to get ahead in their sport? No, I I think ninety nine point nine percent of people wouldn't do that, and they do it because of how they feel inside. And you know, it's not for me to to break down the the reasons for people. Changing oh bodies. man, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie, maybe you should drink before <laughs> podcasts. What? But all I'm, I'm pretty saying sure the day's only just ticked over as well, <laughs> so it's only been like two hours. All I'm, I'm going to say is. If you told me I could have a sex change and there was a possibility that I might then, as a result of that, turn into like an Olympic champion, I might weigh it up. What do you mean turn into? What is part of the sex change? <laughs> Eddie, what just... makes you think in your current state that even if you were competing against women, you'd have any chance of winning a gold medal at anything? Depends on the event, right? <laughs> well, Does what it? What are you going into? <laughs> what are you winning? What are you I think I would be one of the, the one of the world's better rugby players almost overnight. No, you won't. <laughs> overnight. There's basically, no way. Listen, if I know one thing about you, Eddie, if I know one thing about Eddie, it's that he's disappointed his father greatly with his lack of rugby skill. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all relative. <laughs> it's all relative. I think I would be a force to be reckoned with in boxing. 
<laughs> Why would you say it like that? <laughs> it's like you're bringing your own hype in. I think I would be a hurricane, hurricane Hewitt bringing oh, the yeah. force. I love that I he's think... just thinking of sports. He can beat the <laughs> shit out of women. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> um, Eddie, okay. you're going to be in our future draft of sexual <laughs> domestic <laughs> abuse. Uh, okay, I'll flip it. I think I would, assuming I spent some time working a bit on fitness, obviously, I think I would instantly be a top 50 women's tennis player. <laughs> love sam just laughing at each one you say i think it's just the point of like what has happened in eddie's mind where he's just sat at the end of his bed one day and gone i want to be good at tennis but i don't want to do the work in the men's schedule well no the, the point is right and be top 50 no the point is right that uh sports like there are undeniable physical advantages to being a man in a lot of instances, right? I'm not saying that there aren't women who are bigger and stronger and faster than me. That's not the point. But the average man is bigger and stronger and faster than the average woman. And obviously those being bigger, stronger and faster makes you better at most sports, most sports typically. And so my argument is more that in the same way that LeBron James was born with certain physical gifts that mean he was always gonna be way better at basketball than I am or if I suddenly flipped at my age and with my sort of having grown up as a man and my physiology suddenly became a woman, I would have fundamentally have given myself physical advantages that a woman is unlikely to have had. But it's all right. This is my final podcast. I'm, <laughs> I'm back in my, back in my stuff. What would you, okay. Here's a better question, Eddie. Well, what would no, you wait, do I do with transgender women. It's yeah, a really is, tough one. It's a so, really tough one. So I'll, I'll get, I can give a very good example for Eddie's, what he's saying. Being a former competitive powerlifter, I'm still surrounded. You know, I still go to a powerlifting gym. I'm with people who are competing in powerlifting competitions, which literally is just bench, squat, and deadlift. You're doing three of the most basic raw lifting movements you can do. There is a huge divide in the sport as to whether transgender people should like what category they should be competing in. And it is very, very hotly debated. And it's, it goes exactly with what Eddie's talking about where, you know, people who have potentially developed as one sex and transition into another, they've been giving these, you know, like undeniable, increases in in size and strength and things like that and dominate their their field like they go in and win by hundreds of pounds sometimes and i don't i don't really to be honest i don't think about it so i don't really have an opinion you know i've never really given it a good thought but I, you know you can see arguments both ways i guess but i guess it goes more to sam's thing is then then what do you do Oh, it's hard because you can't create like transgender exclusive events, right? Like, I don't no, want to watch the Olympics and they've got like men, women, transgenders. Like I don't want to, I don't want to kind of treat them as if they are like sort of different. Yeah. Um, but at the no, same absolutely. time, I don't also don't want to watch, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm watching the Olympics and every hundred meter sprinter 
It's like this guy used to be the 118th fastest male sprinter, but he's just smashed the women's world record. Yeah, but that's, I think, you thinking that people are going to voluntarily do that. Yeah. (laughs) People pump themselves full of steroids. They basically kill themselves in pursuit of sporting glory. I don't think it's saying that it's a bit of a leap to think that people may do that if they could change genders. Now, again, I want to be very clear on this point. That isn't me saying that like the overwhelming majority of people who do decide to change genders are doing so for any motive other than the fact of it's based on how they feel. And it's also not me saying that there will be plenty of transgender athletes who are doing those, doing it because of how they feel. But I do think there is a significant risk of someone just saying, fuck it, I could, I could win a gold medal here pretty easily. I I think you're using a like a potential. I I don't even think the example exists. You're using there's, like a potential. I think there, no, because there's a person who there's the man who is now a woman, obviously, in MMA, who fundamentally kind of admitted to this fact that that was their motivation. How did they kind of admit? <laughs> they told me by text message, and I can't reveal it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Right, they said that in confidence, and I respect the rights of transgender people, and I don't want to out them. Okay, so you just, just don't want them to play in the sport where they feel <laughs> they should be sexually in. Look, I want to go back. I want to go back to the 1950s when men were men, women were women, and white people dominated all athletic events because we didn't let black people compete. That's my that dream. Is the soundbite that we end the podcast oh, on? <laughs> 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 Goodbye, guys. <laughs> oh, jeez. Right, I checked off the list. I took, I attacked Kobe Bryant. I attacked transgenders. <laughs> who's, uh, who's next? Oh, you up haven't, for me? you haven't actually attacked gays this podcast. That's true. <laughs> you consider yourself lucky. Oh, oh, thank you. Is that to the entire gay community? (laughs) The entire gay community. Consider yourselves lucky. Yeah, exactly. You're next. See you next week. You know, gay people, you've had it easy enough for long enough, and I'm coming for you on Thursday. Yeah, as a straight white man, it's really really humbling to know that you get it. Look, I've I've had to overcome a lot of adversity in my life. I basically had Lab I was rollers. dealt the I was dealt the worst possible hand and I've done my best, you know. I fought back against the PC movement, you know, quotas, <laughs> diversity, you know, I'm just here I'm still striving diversity. away. <laughs> what do you mean you fought back against it? What's next? You're going to tell me I can't play Pocahontas? Is this what's going to happen? I mean, no. <laughs> Sam, look at how much he's being discriminated against. He still doesn't have internet. It's been exactly. two months and he still doesn't have internet. <laughs> if I were no, a transgender woman, I would have had internet in 24 hours. You would have been the best at it. <laughs> And as far as Orange is concerned, I might be a transgender woman because technically my contract is in my mother's name. So when I do call up, I am Carolyn Hewitt. So as far as they are concerned, do I have, you, do you I have lived the life of a transgender woman. I was just going to ask that. Do you change your voice? Do you no, like I tell change them, your voice? No, I just tell them that I'm early on in the, in the, in the process. How do you slip that in? 
<laughs> my name's Carolyn Hewitt. Just so you know, I'm very early in the process. No, I do that thing, you know, where you like pretend. So I'd be like, oh, just one moment. And then I'll be like, oh, I've just got a call on another line. And then I'll be like, oh, hello. Is this the uh, transgender switch doctor? Uh, <laughs> I'm coming in for my <laughs> weekly appointment. The switch. You're not changing broadband provider. Well, as it turns out, <laughs> I might switch. be. <laughs> Actually, that's what you're trying to do. That was my big mistake. <laughs> I thought I was changing broadband, but it turns out it's easier to change sex. Yeah, they were like, you yeah. sure you want to do this? It takes uh, like two months. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. I'll be okay. <laughs> you could really easily, though, pull off like the how dare you. Like, hi, this is Carolyn Hewitt. Um, oh, is it really? How dare you, sir? <laughs> exactly. You. you would have gotten internet already. <laughs> you Maybe I'll you my sexuality. <laughs> You'd really yeah, I, I tried all the time. The I tried to say, store. if you get me any angrier, my husband is going to come into the orange store and really should tell you what you're doing wrong. All right. Now that Eddie's gone after every facet of the human population. <laughs> oh, there's still more to come. Don't worry. Don't. For the listeners out there, don't think I'm done on episode 23. You know, episode 223, I'll still be still be pulling some out. And he'll be jobless living on the streets. <laughs> it's fine. But as long as I got a microphone I can rant into, it will be okay. Yeah. And Sorry, land Frank. rollers to cruise on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just I mean, in many going respects, down the streets of Paris, going like <laughs> with a bull, going, white lives matter on his <laughs> land rollers. <laughs> With the bullhorn in one hand and his microphone in the other. <laughs> to be fair, I think if I roamed around the streets of Paris in my in the way that you two most like to portray me. Oh, in so, your badminton. In my badminton shorts. outfit and my <laughs> yeah. and my land rollers, I think I would certainly be at least mistaken either for a gay person or a transgender woman. One of the two would probably happen. <laughs> Just another cross that I have to bear. I hope it's the latter. Someone goes up to you wearing really short shorts and says, Are you a woman? It's happened before. <laughs> All right, Frank, I'll see you on Thursday. Eddie, it's been good knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been nice, guys. All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Yeah, I might be shifting this podcast to. Uh... Breitbart or something. So we'll see. We'll see if we change our hosting provider soon. See you guys. Cheerio. Yep. Yeah.